Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. Today's episode is so awesome. I'm going to try and keep this intro short and sweet, but I do want to kind of emphasize one thing that I recently posted on Instagram and TikTok and really seemed to resonate with you guys. I just posted like a standard random video of me and Jake holding hands and walking that he probably saw and was like, when did she take this? That is so creepy. But I wrote, when you're so used to getting your heart broken that you spend so much time of your new relationship waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then suddenly it's a year and a half later and he's moving in and everything is perfect. The other shoe didn't fall. It's not always going to. Sometimes things actually do work. Not everyone is going to hurt you. And some people are going to be everything you want and more. And a lot of you commented and reached out saying this was what you needed to hear. And you know that you're happy. A lot of other people said you're happy that it happened for me, but you don't think it's going to happen for you. And I wanted to read this again and, and kind of just bring it to everyone's attention because listen, for the longest time, I did not think that it was going to happen for me. I thought everybody else apparently is deserving of love except for me. I thought, what is wrong with me? I thought, why is it so easy for people to feel like they can hurt me and that they want to hurt me? I thought, why can't I find what I'm looking for? And I understand how hard it is. I understand how frustrating it is to feel these things and how it, you know, sometimes really tears us down and, and makes us think that we're not worthy of love and that, you know, we're not good enough. And we're going to talk a lot about self-love and self-worth during this episode, which is also why I thought this was a perfect way to start it off. But I promise you, you're going to be okay and you are deserving of love. And yeah, you might get knocked down 50 times. It might not work out with 50 people, but it might work out with the 51st person. All it takes is one. And I really did spend probably the first six to nine months of my relationship with Jake waiting for the other shoe to drop. I kept thinking like, everything's going great. Like when is something going to go wrong? Or there's no way things are actually this good and this natural and this comfortable. Like something must be going on behind the scenes that I don't know about. I thought all of these things and it would sometimes keep me up at night because I'm like, there's no way this is actually as good as it seems. There's just no way because everything I've gone through in the past has told me that that's not possible and that you might think everything's good, but then you find out they're cheating on you or then you find out they're actually not looking for ser for something serious, even though, you know, they introduce you to their friends and family, a million different scenarios, a million different things. But I really just want everyone to, you know, keep holding on to that hope and to believing that you're doing this for a reason. You're out there in the dating world. You're going into these relationships and situationships and going on these dates because you're learning during each one of them and you're learning about what you like and what you don't like and the type of person you are and the type of person you want to be with somebody and the type of person you want to be with. And it is all worth it. And I just hope you guys know that. And, and I hope, you know, like, again, just a reminder, like I've been through it. Like I've been through the worst of it. And I know, yeah, now I'm in a relationship that's going well and everything's happy. And I, I feel so grateful and so lucky for that. But I know how easy it is to, you know, look at somebody's relationship on social media and be like, well, it was just easy for them. And, you know, they wanted to find somebody. So they did like, no, trust me, I went through it. I went through it all. 
not all, obviously you guys have been through some things that, you know, I can't imagine going through and I, I don't know your experiences and that's why I do the unfiltered episodes so that you can share your experiences and what you've been through, but I've been through it. Some of it, you get what I mean. The number of disclaimers I feel like I have to give as somebody with, you know, like a public face and voice in, um, the, the world of social media and podcasting is really funny. And I, I catch myself a lot, you know, making disclaimers and trying to get people to know that what I mean is not what I, you know, what I, you guys know what I mean. I'm going to stop talking now. I want to bring Kirstie in because she is incredible and I want her to talk. This episode is amazing. We have Kirsty Taylor on the podcast today. She is a writer. She is an author. She has written in so many amazing um, publications and has been published in like literally every every platform you've ever heard of. Um, and she has a great book out, which is called What I Wish I Knew About Love. It came out in February of 2021. She is um, at Kirsty Taylor on TikTok and Instagram. And she is really incredible. She and I just view the dating world and and the world of relationships and social media, I think in a very similar way. And I'm a huge fan of her. So I'm very honored to have Kirstie Taylor on the podcast today. So let's get into it right before we do. Don't forget if anything in this episode resonates with you or you think it would resonate with a friend, please send it to them. It's the best thing you guys can do to support the show is send it to your friends, leave reviews, share it on your story. If you extra love the episode, tag seeing other people, tag Christy Taylor with two R's at the end. Um, don't forget, you can always buy me a coffee if you want to give back and support or if you know I really helped you in this episode or another episode. Um, that's the link for that is in the show notes. It's just buymeacoffee.com slash alana.done. And yeah, please send this to a friend. Again, rate, review, five stars, all that good stuff. And don't forget, if you want one-on-one time with me, you can book an emotional support human session to talk about what's going on in your dating life, to get some advice, to vent, um, pick my brain about whatever you want, or you can book a dating app profile, revamp, and all of those links are also in the show notes. Let's get into the episode. All right, we are here in the episode. Kirsty Taylor, welcome to seeing other people. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love your podcast, so I'm Thank excited you. to do this. I am so excited to have you. I have been such a fan of your content for so long. I feel like anytime I see you post a video, I'm just like, wow, she gets it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that from the people who also give good dating advice when they're like, I like your dating advice too. I'm like, okay, we're all on the same page here. Exactly. And that's like one of the reasons I was so excited to talk to you. I feel like there's so much dating content and dating advice out there that I really strongly disagree with. And Mm -hmm. when I see yours, it honestly gives me comfort knowing that there are other people out there who are trying to do the same thing that I'm doing, which is like actually letting people be who they are and be themselves and stay true to themselves, but just be guided in a better direction. Exactly. Yes. Can't agree more. Yeah. So before we get into all of the good stuff, I would love to hear a bit about how you ended up doing what you're doing now. I know you're a writer, you have your book, What I Wish I Knew About Love, and you also create a ton of content. So how did you start doing all of this? Yeah. So it was kind of in the at the same time as when I decided to take a, a year break from dating after some bad breakups that were back to back and with people I wasn't even that interested in also coincided with me being let go from a job I was really horrible at, which was technical recruiting. 
And, you know, I was at this <laughs> this big turning point where I was also deciding to make that year break from dating, but also I didn't want to get back into another job that I didn't like. So I took a part-time job as a nanny and started to figure out what I wanted to do for a living. Um, and it was during that time that I started to write online from a particular or a particular site called Medium, where just kind of anyone can write on. And I was writing about my experiences with dating, things I was learning, because during that year break from dating, I was learning about attachment theory, love languages, um, adult psychology in, in all these different forms. And so I was writing about it and people were resonating with it. And I was like, all right, this is cool. You know, I like writing. I like helping people. So it kind of just honestly, it just snowballed in a way I never imagined it could have. And that's basically how I got to the book deal, which the book deal um, helped, you know, with talking about what I do more and then also do it getting on TikTok. Jeez, that that also snowballed into a ton of things. So yeah, but my original way of getting into this was through writing. That's awesome. And I definitely had phases where I dabbled with like, oh, I'm going to write this awesome thing and put it on Medium. And then I just never stuck with it anytime. Oh, like it would yeah. be a very much a one-off thing. And I really like in hindsight wish I I stayed with it more, but I found I found my footing elsewhere. And there you go. And so did okay. I because I don't write on Medium anymore, which it, I great platform. Loved it. Like really helped with my career. Um, yeah. But since then have not done it. Yeah. So like a few months hearing and knowing that, you know, you went through these bad breakups and that, it, and like the job thing all, all at the same time, of course, when it rains, it pours. Right. What ultimately led to your decision to take that break? Because I feel like so many times people are like, all right, dating isn't working out for me or, uh, but like I need to keep going or I feel so burnt out, but like, I really want to find someone. So I have to keep going. And, um, also like, well, I just got out of a, relationship, but I feel like I'm going to run out of time if I don't just keep going. And I feel like right. there's such an urge to always have to be dating or trying to date or at least being on the apps. And I honestly don't think that that's good for us when we're in mm -hmm. those stages and phases. So I'm curious what made you decide to take that break? Yeah. So after those two bad breakups. And literally right after the second one, like we broke up on my front porch and I ran to my room and like, I was like, I'm redownloading Bumble. I'm getting back onto the apps. But I realized, I guess at that point I had been kind of seeing a therapist. At that point I had enough self-awareness to be like, I'm not swiping on these apps to find a healthy relationship. I'm swiping on these apps for like validation that I am worthy of love, that I uh, am a desirable person. And so I just was like, what am I doing right now? I know I'm so sad because at first the, the one before technically my last ex, it just was a really bad relationship. I didn't even give myself time to process it before I got into another relationship. And I realized that's what I was doing. I was just hopping from one relationship to the next. I wasn't dating to actually find a good relationship that made me happy. And I've always been the type of person that's, you know, a monogamous type of long-term relationship person. Um, so when I realized I was doing that, I was like, okay, I've, I've been in back-to-back -back relationships for over a decade. This is, this is the time that I need to just take a break from it. I need to realize why I don't like being alone, why I don't even know how to spend a night alone by myself. I need to realize why I keep dating the same type of people who treat me badly. So it was kind of just a culmination of realizing I was repeating the same patterns, um, and also a bit of 
a voice inside my ear, aka the therapist at the time, who was like, "We can do some work here." So yeah, I was I was gonna mention, you know, knowing that you were in therapy during that time probably was really helpful in you mm-hmm. prioritizing yourself and and deciding to take that step. And and we talk about therapy all the time on seeing other people, but I think that's something that's so important to not you know wait until shit has hit the fan to start yes. going to therapy. Like start going to therapy when. You're, you're bored. Start going to therapy when like nothing's yeah. going wrong just so that you can get to know your therapist and they can get to know you and you can start to have this baseline relationship and understanding of who you are and what you need. So I exactly. love that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Therapy. Uh, I can't, I can't recommend it more. And especially nowadays, there's so many good resources that are more affordable because I hear that all the time and I don't want to just be like, Oh, everyone should go to therapy when no one can afford it. Right. Um, even at the time, I saw my therapist at a community center. He was technically an intern at mm. a community center for 15 bucks an hour. Wow. One five. Like that's, it's still like, there's different ways to see a therapist in a more affordable way. But yeah, it's it's great. Absolutely. So I want to kind of call attention to one thing that you mentioned just now, which was, you know, swiping on the apps, not really looking for love, but looking for, you know, validation or a sign that like, all right, like I am worthy of love. And I think, and I'm guilty of this too, like it is crazy that we attribute something like being able to get likes, being able to get matches and start conversations on apps as like, okay, I am worthy of love. And I know that's something that people really struggle with when they're dating, especially, you know, dating in 2022, dating using dating apps where people are constantly facing like more rejection than ever. And you know, it's really, really hard out there, especially now. And so I know, I mean, I talk to my friends and my listeners about this all the time where everyone's feeling extra down and extra Mm -hmm. like, well, something's wrong with me because, you know, everyone else can get into a relationship and I can't, or it keeps not working out. And so I really want to spend a lot of time on, while we have you here today, talking about, you know, self-love and self-worth and trying to learn and practice those things and and really understand and and know your self-worth. Um, But I do think all of that starts with self-love. And Mm -hmm. so I'm curious, you know, for somebody who is in that place of feeling like they're not worthy of love, feeling like it's never going to happen, what would you suggest for them in terms of like where to start on, you know, thinking maybe a different way? Yeah. So I think a really big thing to start with is understanding what your beliefs are around the whole I'll never find love. Because a great way to kind of bring yourself back down to reality is finding examples of people who have found love later in life. You know, some some people find it in their 40s, like love beyond their wildest dreams, right? So there's at least evidence that you at 28, 30, 35, still, there's still plenty of chances out there. Um, So kind of just like bringing it back and be like, what is that belief there? Do you believe this timeline that you always heard growing up? Is it your grandma every time you see her being like, when are you going to give me great grandchildren? Um, And kind of deciding for yourself what's more important, trying to rush a process of finding a life partner or just taking the time that that needs to be taken. Um, And then also realizing that, geez, if you're using dating apps, it is not a personal thing. I, I, yeah. I work, I, I also do some dating coaching. So I talk to clients a lot about how, you know, you really have to take dating apps with a grain of salt because nowadays it's so easy for someone to go on a date and be like, I didn't feel this great 
huge chemistry and if I didn't feel it, there's so many other options out there because I'm on a dating app and I'm presented with all these options. Or, you know, like dating apps, you know, nowadays they kind of work in a way where they want you to pay the money and everything. So it's just hard. It's just really hard giving yourself compassion um, along the process. But the big, a big place to start is understanding those beliefs that's kind of driving you to feel like you should have found love by now or like something's wrong with you um, as to why you haven't found love by now is a really great place to start with the self-love in a sense, just giving yourself a little bit more compassion. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I always, you know, try and remember and try and tell people is like when I was in my early, I was probably like 24 at the time, I just turned 28. Um, My friends and I, we would try and remind each other, it's like, all right, we don't have the boyfriend, but we have the job we wanted. We got the apartment Mm. we wanted. We're living in the city we wanted to live. Like our families are healthy. It's like trying to remind yourself that there are so many amazing things in your life and Mm -hmm. you have all these amazing relationships. They might just not be in the form of romantic relationships. Right. That's a good point. 100%. It's so easy to focus on what we don't have versus focusing on what we do have. And, you know, I say that with also understanding that Love is probably one of the hardest journeys we'll go on because everyone wants it and not everyone finds it the moment they want it. Um, It's vulnerable. It's hard. Rejection sucks. Ghosting sucks. Um, But there are ways to at least be kind with yourself during those moments where you feel sad and then also focus your energy on other parts of your life. And I actually think that's like a great dating strategy too. If you're really fed up with apps or really just not finding quality people, Focus your energy on doing hobbies you love. Join a social club. And I only say that because a client recently did that. But, um, you know, go out and do more stuff. Hang out with your friends more. Say yes to more events. Like that could be where you meet the person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're spending more time doing things you love. Like that's a win-win. I had a dream last night and I woke up like in such a with such this feeling where in my dream I ended up somehow like jumping into the soccer game I had no business being in and then suddenly like <laughs> I scored two goals and this was like a professional soccer like I mind you I stopped playing soccer I when I was in 8th grade but <laughs> I like at the end of the game like was like the MVP of the game and everyone was like we know you're not on the team but like keep showing up like this is great and I woke up being like oh my god I need to join a sports league I don't like I kickball great. That's like whatever amazing. I can find, I need to do it. And then I was like, wow. And like, think about how many people I'll meet doing that. And it would just be like a weekly thing that I have to look forward to. And now mm-hmm. I'm like all set on finding a league to join for the fall. But like, I think things like that are so important because that also allows you to meet other people who have common interests. Exactly. And you know, you just never know. First off, it takes one person to take you out of the game. Take you out of the dating game, one person. You never know. You'll meet someone at the kickball team. It's, you know, a friend. You go out to drinks. They may introduce you to a friend. They introduce you to a brother, whatever. Um, yeah, you just never know. And I think that that's – we've lost kind of sight of that because dating apps have just been become so normalized in our, in our day and age. Um, and I just feel like if people focus more energy on – other parts of their life. They're just going to feel a lot better in general. And that's going to do wonders for your dating life. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to one thing you said a few minutes ago, which was like, you know, find the people to look up to who found love later in life. And Mm. I saw a poll earlier today and I just pulled it up. It says, would you rather not find a partner until age 40, but be together forever or get married at 28, but be divorced by 50 and not find anyone else after? 
And Ooh. what do you think? Well, what what's your answer? Oh, geez. I don't know. That's such a good question. I Part of me wants to say that people probably said the 28th. I don't know. I hope people said wait until 40. 92% of people said 40. Oh, I love that. See, and I know it's just so hard to like think that way when you're actually in the thick of it. You're 31. You feel like your biological clock is ticking or for men or women, who knows, or other people. Um, but it's it's just so true. It's not something you want to rush. It's not something you want to settle on. And yeah, I love that people answered 92%. That, that's awesome. Me too. I wish I like had a list of all those people and could just send them a weekly DM. Like, remember, like it's yeah. worth waiting for. You said it yourself. <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, okay. In terms of, you know, whether it's that people are currently struggling with, you know, dating's just like really not working out or they got, let's say like, for example, how what you went through and something that I went through too, is getting out of a really bad, either going through a bad breakup or getting out of a bad relationship. And I feel like this is where a lot of people end up struggling with self-worth. And this is something that I really went through after getting out of a toxic relationship where, you know, for so long I let somebody treat me so poorly. And I thought that that was okay, apparently, mm-hmm. during that time. In hindsight, I, you know, I now reflected and learned that that was absolutely not okay. Um, but similarly in dating, you know, we allow people to give us the bare minimum. And in fact, sometimes we even celebrate the bare minimum. You know, it's like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. he texted to confirm like, wow, like amazing. This person's incredible. Marry them. Like what? Or if somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, picks like a place that's closer to you and walks you home after, but is respectful and doesn't come up. It's like, wow, like they are the best. Like why do we just celebrate the bare minimum and allow people to treat us poorly? And I feel like that really, you know, those things work together to impact our self-worth. And Mm -hmm. make us accept so much less than we deserve. So I'd love to hear from you, you know, maybe some things that we can incorporate into our dating practice or just, you know, in terms of how we view ourselves and how we figure out how we should be treated, you know, navigating all of that. You know, I always say reflection is the best tool we could possibly use when it comes to dating and kind of deciding for ourselves what would make us happy And that's understanding what you didn't like in past relationships, understanding ways that you'd never want to be treated again, things that made you feel really horrible, and even looking to other relationships as role models, right? Maybe your sister or your friend has a really great relationship and you see the things that their partner does for them and you're like, oh, I wish my partner would write that stuff down. Like keep a list of this stuff Um, and understand that, I talk a lot about anxious people or people who have, I guess, like a low sense of self-worth. And it tends to be that we feel like we're needy asking for these things. Um, We feel like our emotional needs are just too much because maybe someone told us they were or even our parents or other people tell us that they are. But as long as you're asking for, you know, like things that are healthy in 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 terms of like communication, respect trust. Um, I mean, bare minimum stuff, also physical safety, sexual safety, all that stuff. Like you're not needy. You're not needy. Those things that when you feel like, oh, I don't think I should say this. I don't think I should speak up for myself. When you feel really anxious about it, I always say that that's actually your body just screaming for you to speak up for yourself. It's just, 
anxiety can be a really great messenger too. Anytime when you're unsure, should I text them? Should I talk about them about, should I have a talk with them about exclusivity? That's your body kind of just screaming for you to do it. Or like if maybe if you're waiting around for them, it's your body wants or your subconscious wants you to do it. Um, so again, reflecting is a really great way to understand what you didn't like and even maybe going the, off the opposite of that um, and kind of making that a boundary or a standard that you have in dating, looking at role models, and then also understanding the points in which you feel really anxious in dating and understanding what your body and your subconscious is trying to tell you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime, which has been many times, I've felt that anxiety creeping up mm-hmm. and really like taking over. You know, for so long, I listened to a lot of my friends who were like, well, like you have to play it cool. You can't say anything like do not do anything about it. Just like let it out to us, but don't say a word to him about it. You have to act chill. Like I did that for so long. And then one day I was like, no, fuck that. I feel Mm -hmm. horrible right now. I really want to say this. And if this is a person that I could have a potential of a future with and a relationship with, I need to know that they can, you know, meet me where I'm at and that they can show up for me in the way I need. And so I started to, you know, I'd still like write in the group chat and ask my friends what I should do, but I would actually just ignore everything they said. And Mm. I would do what I felt like I needed to do, which was actually get it out and say whatever it was or ask for that thing that I needed. And I found that like nine out of 10 times, they really appreciated me being open. It allowed Mm. them to be open back to me. And, you know, I usually got what I needed and asked for. And it gave them the opportunity to show up for me. And, you know, the ones who couldn't do that. Great. I'd rather find that out sooner than later before I, you know, get more caught up down the rabbit hole. It's funny you say that because I have kind of the opposite to what you said. I have this reel that, um, I'm like, it's like, uh, I think it's actually the song from Shrek where it's like, welcome to do law. And it's me just like, "Mm." and uh, it's talking about, I acted chill on the first few dates and now I'm dating someone who's emotionally unavailable. Yep. I I love that one. (laughs) That got like like over a million views. And it's, it's true, right? It's what you said. It's like you give someone the opportunity to show up for you or you give someone the opportunity to show you they cannot show up for you. So people always DM me. How do I not meet someone who's emotionally unavailable? Everyone I date's emotionally unavailable. Okay, well, are you emotionally available when you're dating? Are you trying to act like the chill person, the person who doesn't text right away, the person who doesn't have any needs? Because if you are, that's also a form of emotional unavailability, and that attracts people who want someone who wants someone who is low needs. Yeah. All full circle. <laughs> and and then you get stuck with, you know, you're dating somebody now who A, like hasn't seen who you are does not know the real you Mm -hmm. and yeah, can't give you what you need. And then, you know, I also have seen people get stuck in a situation like that where they're afraid to leave because they're like, well, it took me so long to find this person and I don't want to start from square one again. And so they stay in a relationship that's not good for them. Yeah. That's something I hear a lot. I was just talking to one of my guy friends about how he was scared to get into another relationship again because he doesn't want to have to like repeat all of everything he told his ex-girlfriend all their like inside jokes and everything and you know it's called what is it sunken cost where you just put so much energy and time and everything into someone that even if it's not great you're like well I just should stay because I did this but it's like that's that's the settling that's the settling we talk about you know you do deserve someone 
who can give you at the very least like your emotional needs met respect all of that stuff so um it's better to cut it off now than wait four years or be married and be like oh what I do what am I doing exactly I actually uh went through something this past week where about a month ago um a friend of a friend reached out about a business opportunity that relates to dating. And, you know, he pitched it to me and I was like super excited about it. I thought it was a great idea. And I wanted to, you know, kind of jump on board in, in some capacity. I didn't know what capacity and fast forward. And, you know, he wants me to be the co-founder of this business. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, hold on, like pump the brakes. <laughs> I, like, I think this is a really good idea, but like, I don't know if I can like commit that like time and energy to it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I just stopped freelancing so I could focus on seeing other people full time. And I really like, that's my baby. And I don't know if I could have another baby that I'm building from the ground up and, you know, fast forward. And like two weeks ago, I, I met with him and I, I was intended on going into that meeting, letting him know, like, I need to step back. And it's, it's it, like, I can't, give him what he needs. Mm -hmm. But I got swept up in the conversation, didn't say that. So I'm like trying to convince myself over the last two weeks to, you know, like, okay, maybe this is worth it. And you can have your heart in it the way it needs to be. And the last two weeks I've had so much anxiety about it being like, this is not right. I need, I need to back out. And it has felt like, I mean, I've I've been in a relationship for a year and a half now. So I've been out of the dating game for the longest I've ever been out of the dating game. And this felt like, going on dates with somebody I knew I didn't want to keep seeing, but didn't know how to let them down. That's a great analogy. Finally, yesterday, I ended up like crafting a text and my friend was like, no, you have to call him. And I'm like, I don't think I can call him. And I literally ended up like in fetal position on my bed, having a breakdown about the thought of calling this guy. And I'm like, I can't like, I can't do this. No, I hate that feeling. Yeah. But I ended up texting him. I was very honest and he was like very, very understanding and it felt good to, you know, finally get it out there. And I told like, I had to let him know I could not give him what he needed. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. he like appreciated that and respected that. Totally. 100%. That's a really good analogy. And also a hard part of being an entrepreneur is saying no to things that are cool, but you're like, I, I, my, my capacity is only so much. Yeah, and I'm exactly. sure running a podcast is a lot. So <laughs> that it is, but yeah, it was interesting. Like I felt like I was thrown back into the dating world in a sense for You're a like, bit, and I was like, "Oh my god, feels familiar." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been through this before, just yeah. in a slightly different way. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to shift gears a bit. I know you talk a lot about boundaries and setting boundaries mm-hmm. and figuring out what your boundaries are, and. I think boundaries are so important in dating. And I think it's something that everybody knows they should be setting, but because of how hard dating is, because of how badly they want to make it work, they either don't set them or are very quick to, you know, not stay and like stick to them. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, you know, some advice you have in terms of figuring out what your boundaries are and putting them in place and really following them. Yeah. So again, with the reflecting, understanding what you did not like in past relationships, say you had a person you dated and they always made jokes at your expense. You're like, that actually made me feel really uncomfortable. No, it's not because you're sensitive. It's because you're just like the type of person who doesn't like that. Boundary. Someone someone says that, you say, you know, um, I don't like that joke you made. I would appreciate it if you don't do it again. Simple as that. You know, kind of just understanding what you didn't like before, how you wish you were treated, maybe even looking to like your friends and being like, oh, I I like when they do this. So in dating, of course, I'm not going to want a partner who does something opposite of that. And I always say if you're bad at making boundaries, 
start with your friends, start with your family. If you speaking up for yourself on a first, second, third date seems just like the most frightening thing, fetal position on the bed, as you explained, (laughs) Um, start with people you're comfortable with or even coworkers start small and work your way up. But boundaries are just so important. There's a quote that I always misinterpreted, misattributed for a long time to Brene Brown, but it was not her that said it. And I'm not sure who said it, but essentially like boundaries aren't meant to keep people out of your life. They're meant to keep you safe. And so when you feel safe in a relationship, you don't build up resentment towards that person. And resentment is truly like a silent killer of any relationship, friendship, romantic, anything. Um, So yeah, understanding what makes you feel not okay. And also under, I just have so much I can say on boundaries. Um, and also retro retroactively setting boundaries. So say you go on a date or you've been dating someone and you're like, actually, every time this, they do this thing, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Set a boundary, have a talk with them. Like it doesn't have to be the moment they do it. You have to set that boundary or all is lost. Like now they, they do it and you can't do anything. You can retroactively set those boundaries. If you're checking in with yourself and you're noticing I don't feel good after we have this certain type of interaction or maybe, you know, they're trying to pressure me into doing something sexual and that doesn't make me feel good. I feel really uncomfortable. And now you retroactively set that boundary of like, look, I don't feel comfortable with this. Like you can 100% do that. So really just checking in and understanding like what makes you feel uncomfortable, what triggers you with them um, can help you understand what you actually need to feel more safe and comfortable. I want to really emphasize one point that you made and repeated a few times throughout this, which is, you know, setting that boundary and communicating it to them. You Mm -hmm. can't just set a boundary and keep it to yourself. Like if somebody said something on a date that made you feel uncomfortable or, you know, from a past relationship doesn't work for you, don't just write them off. They don't know that you have Mm -hmm. that boundary. They don't know that that doesn't feel good for you. And I feel like I see this all the time where somebody's like, oh, red flag, bye. I'm well, I can't, I can't see this person anymore. And you, I think you owe it to yourself and you owe it to them to like speak up and let them know and see how they react to it. And if they can, you know, not do that thing again or stay within the confinements of your boundaries. Yeah. The point you brought up is generally just communication. If you suck at it, you're scared at it. That is not a reason to just like peace out. If you're piecing out like super quickly and you don't communicate things, even if it's you communicate it and still end it, it's such great practice to just learn better communication. Like I truly cannot express enough that communication is key in any relationship and it's just going to be such a good skill for the rest of your life. So yeah, 100%. Yeah. Communicate it. Don't. And which also reminds me, just like reminds me every time I hear communication and like talking about what your expectations are. I remember the quote and I talk about this a lot of the, if he wanted to, or if they wanted to, they would. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh. no, 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 no. We communicate things. We don't, uh, we don't do the whole expectations, but don't let them know what it is. I feel like you and me could write a TED talk about why if he wanted to, he would is just wrong in so many ways. There we go. That's our next venture. TED talk. Yeah. No, truly, truly. Uh, that phrase, it really took off on TikTok, but someone was saying that it was even in a, in that movie. It, um, he's not that into you. I was like, ah, oh, so it's, it's been around for a while. Yeah. That phrase can get people into some sticky situations. Well, that's what I think is part of like the issue with social media. And obviously, you know, both of our careers are in a way based on social media, but 
you know, people will get this idea in their head from it and then see it everywhere. And it's like, all right, well, now if he wanted to, he would is the rule and I have to follow it. And so I'm, you know, anytime I'm questioning why they're not texting me or if they're going to text me or if they're going to ask me out or if I should ask them out. Nope. If he wanted to, he would. It's like, yep. No. It's, yeah. It's like kind of like an easy tap out too. And it's not going to it's not gonna be helpful at all. It's like a crutch, right? You're not actually getting to the root of any of this. You're not learning how to communicate. You're not learning how to date better. Um, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a crappy phrase. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's so much more on like, there's so much I want to talk to you about that I feel like I'm jumping around. <laughs> but I there's so many things that I think you just can offer really helpful insight to. So I want to switch gears again and go over to anxiety. And I know you do a lot of like content and and writing about attachment styles and anxious Mm -hmm. attachment. And I'd say like 80% of my listeners are anxiously attached. And so whenever I can get in some extra nuggets of wisdom about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, managing your anxiety and and your anxious attachment, um, I love to do that. So I would love to hear from you, you know, how can people decipher, is it my anxiety or is it the situation? Because I think we run into that problem a lot where we don't know. It's like, are they making me anxious? Am I anxious because I'm anxious? Like, is am I just doomed? Mm-hmm. All of that. Yeah. So kind of like a, is it a gut feeling trying to tell me, is this person a bad person yeah. versus is it anxiety? Um, so I always say that I'm trying to like word this the right way. The gut feeling is something that will kind of always be there, like a a steady presence of like, you feel it when you're out with your friends, you're wondering, you're feeling uncomfortable about their, about the situation, the person that you're dating. And then anxiety or the gut feeling will always be there. The anxiety is triggered, right? Anxiety is never something that you're just like, usually always feeling. It's like when you don't hear from them, you're feeling that anxiety. After you go on a date, you feel anxiety. So if you're feeling this constant little voice in the back of your head, this feeling of like something's not right, I always say that's more of a gut feeling that you should go off of versus it being just like sporadic here and there. It's triggered by specific scenarios, specific times after a date. In that case, it might be anxiety. Further look into the relationship. Ask yourself questions, you know. Are they treating you well? Are they meeting your needs? Have you communicated your needs? Have you communicated what's going on with yourself, um, what you're struggling with? And then you can kind of understand, all right, if it's if it's all if it's all shiny, great, everything's great, it might be anxiety. If you're like, you know what? he doesn't text me even though he says he's a great texter or he cancels plans all the time. You can communicate it or you can decide for yourself if that relationship is what you want to continue. But that's probably a gut feeling that there's something going on there. And this is really important because that gut feeling can just be so indicative of what we've been through in the past of like, I am normally into emotionally unavailable people. And you might not be able to really pinpoint it because you haven't gathered enough information of like maybe how to pinpoint if someone's uh, emotionally unavailable, or maybe they haven't revealed themselves to be this emotionally unavailable yet. But that gun feeling might be telling you, you know, oh, this person reminds me of my ex because he has this very cocky attitude, kind of egotistical, doesn't treat people well. And you might not be like consciously aware of it, but that gut feeling's like trying to tell you that. Um, 
hopefully that all made sense. It's a, it's no, a hard it, one. It's a hard one. The gut feeling versus anxiety. Yeah. It's, it's really hard, especially when, you know, our anxiety and, and, or our gut feeling can be coming from so many different things. And I think you brought up mm-hmm. a great point saying like, is that maybe it's something that your ex did or something like is very similar to the way your ex was. And I think that's where, you know, you keep bringing up like reflecting. And I think that's why reflection is so important. So you can learn like, all right, maybe these things aren't good for me. Maybe I'm not compatible with somebody who does X, Y, Z things. But at the same time, I think it gets tricky because I like, I'm, I give people the benefit of the doubt to a point where it is not good for me many times. But I do think like, you know, if somebody is slightly similar or has a similar personality to, you know, somebody you dated who fucked you over or hurt you or something like that, I'd still, you know, ask the right questions and give them a chance to show maybe they just have that personality. Maybe they're really extroverted and outgoing as well, but Mm -hmm. they might not have these other more specific qualities that your ex had that are the reason that things, you know, may have crashed and burned. So I think really trying to get to the bottom of like, all right, what is it about this person? Are these red flags actually red flags or am I just, you know, making every small tiny thing I don't like about them or that's reminding me of this person into a red flag? I think it's, it's a lot to navigate and a lot to figure out. But yeah, I do think it all comes down to reflecting and knowing what didn't work for you and what you do want. Yeah. And sometimes everything you said, and sometimes communicating to them, I have someone who currently is going through, is getting into a new relationship of like a month and his texting's kind of weird. And so instead what she would normally do is just kind of be anxious all the time and listen that. And such as like, Hey, like what's up with the, with your, you acting differently with texting. He's like, oh, you know, I've just been uh, busy at work, but I didn't realize that that was happening and I don't want you to feel like I'm not into you. So I'll be more conscious of that, blah, blah, blah. You know, even stuff like that, the communication and how they respond and react and their actions after can be also very indicative of like, am I just repeating the same patterns or is this person different? Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right about that. All right. I want to jump into some listener questions. I also want to check to see if any more came in. Thank you to everyone who asked questions on the IG story Q box. Love when those come in. Um, All right. How do I deal with regret after asking to meet again after a first date too soon? I'm hating myself because I'm afraid I pushed them away and ruined it. After first date. Okay. So like a second date. She's like asking for a second date. Um, she thinks she asked for a second date like too soon and that her doing that pushed them away and ruined it. Oh my gosh. If someone's into you, they are not going to think that that's, that's too soon. You are not going to push them away. Uh, I just think of like, even when I started, I hate to always just like relate this back to my experience, but even when I first dated my boyfriend, I just remember first off, I asked him out on our first date. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you did. (laughs) Love that. Thank you. And jeez, uh, I just he just looking back on the relationships that went really well, they just never would have thought that, you know, they were excited. And even if it was just like the very beginning, like I barely know you, but at least I know I'm interested. They like the effort. And I think something that's really interesting because I have a lot of guy friends. And so I've, tra- I've been talking to them about their dating lives a lot lately. Uh, for content, no. Um, and they always say that they sometimes think that this like lack of communication on a woman's end, they think that sometimes it's like, she's not interested. 
but with but actually she's waiting for him to text her and then it's just this waiting around for each other until things fizzle out so if anything if you if you push this guy away i promise that's probably not someone you wanted to date bye exactly exactly but this could be something that's just like a really beautiful like foundation for something really great in that you're both putting in that equal effort which equal effort's just like the best thing you can do in in dating yeah i couldn't agree more and i think you know if somebody is going to be turned off or pushed away by something that you do early on it's like if you were saying true to who you are and you were being your authentic self and you know going after what you want like they're just not for you and not everyone is going to be for you and you're not going to be for everyone and that's Mm -hmm. okay because, you know, I mean, for me, I like to communicate a lot. So like anytime I would not do that, then I would end up feeling like, well, I can't communicate with this person because again, they, they like this chill version of me that doesn't like, you know, ask for the things yeah. I want. And, you know, then I didn't feel safe in the relationship. But, and you know, when I did communicate yeah. the things I need, like I said before, like it gave people the opportunity to show me that that was okay with them. And that's mm-hmm. the type of relationship that I want to be in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just always err on the side of just being your authentic self. If you want to text them, do it. You brought up equal effort, which makes me want to ask you what your thoughts are on that concept of matching their energy. I feel like this is a trick question. I'm like, I don't know if I've heard the term. I've heard of the term like matching the energy. But I feel like there's maybe like a a way that people use it that I don't know about. I feel like it's becoming a if he wanted to, he would type of thing. Like if he's not, you know, mess texting that frequently or he's not oh, asking them out, like okay. I'm going to match his energy and not do those things either. And okay, that makes me want to scream personally mm-hmm. because it's like, well, then nothing's ever going to get done. Nothing's ever going to yeah. happen. And there's no path forward. But I'm yeah. curious what you think. I mean, anything that's kind of playing games like that, mass, like it's like disguised uh, advice as playing games, uh, 100% skip it, don't do it. Uh, what I say, yeah, definitely equal dating is just like you, regardless of your gender or what you identify as, you know, just put in the effort you want to see from the other person and see if they they reciprocate with that energy don't pull away because you think they might be pull- like who knows what's going on first off but yeah no I don't like that phrase that sounds horrible now that I know that's what's like there's a trick question here <laughs> it, okay no it's what yeah I think you're exactly right on it's yeah. disguised as something else when it really is just another game and like I literally exactly. will have people be like I'm not playing games I'm just matching his energy I'm not playing hard to get I'm just matching her energy it's like no yeah <laughs> no. yeah no. Exactly. Communicate. If you think they're pulling away, say something. Yeah. All right. This is a bit of a longer question. Okay. How can I enforce a boundary without being a fuckboy? For background, my girlfriend and I have been dating since January of 2021. I made a few plans and the rest is history. I've noticed that she doesn't believe in any of the traditional mores of a relationship. She wants me to propose but won't take my last name. For example, she insists that I'm insecure if I don't want her to hang out with two male... uh, two of her male friends, one she met on Bumble BFF and the other in a co-ed sports league. I believe that straight men and women can't really be friends outside of a work and church context because one of the parties, usually the guy, ends up having feelings for the other. She wants to go on an overnight trip with the guy friends and a few other people. While I get the concept of a girl's getaway trip and I support those, I don't like co-ed trips like this. I've brought this up and she said that my thinking is very gendered and controlling. 
We're set to move in together, but I'm not convinced. I'm also set to pay two thirds of the rent because she has some debt problems. Ooh, there, that's a loaded one. There's like a ton of different levels there. And I'm so curious what to, what you think of this, but I, and it's always the, it's always the woman. The woman's always like, oh, my, my guy friend or my boyfriend has girlfriends. So I'm, it's so interesting to hear it from a guy's perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe something that could be really interesting to do if we're just, you know, table the, the, the trip. I mean, obviously if she's already planning on going, just like do this before she goes on the trip is meet the guys meet the guys, let them know that you're, you're there, but like, you're also interested in being friends potentially that could really ease some of that like anxiety of, Oh, she has these male friends who I think just want to sleep with her because they have no idea who I am. They haven't even met me. Um, Oh, there were so many parts of that question that I'm like forgetting. What was the very beginning? The very beginning. um, Last name thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it just, you know, my boyfriend and I actually had a conversation about this with our couples therapist and it was specific to, I think it's very sexist, uh, antiquated for women to just automatically take the last name for even the children to take the guy's last name. But with that said, for a bunch of different reasons, I do still kind of want to take my boyfriend's last name. So we talked with our therapist and he was like, well, what other ways can you bring equality into the relationship or what other ways can this like feel like it's more fair. So if to you, you know, her not taking your last name makes you kind of feel like um, uneasy or whatever, have a conversation about it. Maybe there's other ways that you, like other choices you can make together that feel like you're more involved. That'll make you more at ease and know that you're both in this together rather than her just making her decisions without even consulting you. Um, And then yeah, with the oh, – it's just a lot of it. The, I know. I should have just started the episode with this question. We could have gotten through right? everything. This could be the whole episode. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts? I'm curious. I like what you said about, you know, meeting the guy friends of hers and, you know, getting to know them and maybe seeing them as – I think it's important to see people as people and not just as an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I totally understand that he wouldn't – want her to go on like a weekend trip with them. Um, Especially, I mean, we don't know the, uh, he did say a few other people, but you know, maybe he comes on the trip if that's comforting him. And then he, then he becomes closer with her, the the other people in her world. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also understand the part of, you know, feeling uncomfortable with that. And I think there are Mm -hmm. some people who are totally okay with their significant other having, you know, close friends of that person's desired sex. But I also, you know, I, I get it that right. it's, it feels scary. It feels threatening. I mean, who knows what happened in this guy's past? Maybe somebody he previously dated cheated on him or something like that. And I think it's just, you know, again, it goes back to communication and being really open about your fears surrounding it and why you're hesitant. Um, I think that the last name thing that that one's tough. You know, I actually, I just, one of my friends is about to get engaged by the time this episode will be out. She will be engaged. And, um, I was texting her boy now current boyfriend trying to, you know, get a, like a sweatshirt embroidered for her. And I was going to put his last name on it. And he's like, yeah, she's probably not taking my last name. I'm like, you know what? I think that's why I asked you what size she wanted because I also wanted to confirm if she was or not because I had a feeling that maybe she wouldn't be. But he didn't seem bothered by by it. You know, Mm -hmm. I talked to Jake, my boyfriend, about this. Um, I love my last name. It's going to be really, really, really hard for me to let go of that. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I think the big thing that you said here is the communication and that if she is just completely unwilling to see your side, completely writes off everything that's of concern to you, then that's not a good sign that like you both can compromise. You can come up with solutions together. If she's just like, you're controlling, you're jealous, like just writes it off. That, I hate using the term like red flags, but that's not a healthy way of making decisions together as a couple. So I think that that could be a really good exercise just as a couple is just to like talk it out, lay it all on the table, lay it all out on the table, let her know like why you feel this way, why things make you uncomfortable. And maybe even that involves some of you questioning some of like what you feel comfortable with too, like the last name thing, like no. Some people are comfortable with it. Some people aren't. And understanding why it's so meaningful to her to not take your last name um, could kind of just like help you see each other's perspectives. But I do think if, if someone's just like, you're you're jealous, I'm doing what I'm doing, that's not a good relationship. Yeah, and that's just a sign of problems to come later on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then the last thing, the last point here is um, being set to pay two-thirds of the rent because she has some debt problems. So... I feel like that was kind of thrown in here, just as like, and there's this other thing, this whole other can of worms. What I would say about that is that something that you either have to accept Mm -hmm. and move forward and say Mm -hmm. this is the situation and this is you know what it's going to take for us to live together right now because of her circumstances and and that's okay I accept it or you have to say this isn't okay and be explicit about that and find a way to work around it together. Or maybe you shouldn't be moving in together because Mm -hmm. going back to what you said before, like resentment is a silent killer of all relationships. And this is, if this is something where every single month, like you're feeling like you can't spend money on other things because you're paying all this rent money or, you know, you're dreading that, rent bill coming or hitting your account because it's just going to be so frustrating and so upsetting to you. It's like, you're never going to stop paying this rent. It's not going Mm -hmm. away. And it's going to be something where you just end up resenting her for it. Yeah. And if they do stay together long-term, the debt will become your debt, I assume. I assume that you both will eventually help pay off that debt. That's what happens with the relationship and marriage. But, and maybe it's not. The big thing is you got to talk about it. If you can't, I think it's communication and money are the biggest leading causes for divorce. Yeah. If you can't talk about money, if you can't talk about finances, if you can't talk about why she has that debt, how she plans to pay it off, you know, your concerns of paying two thirds of the rent, trying to figure it out together, do not move in together. Do not move in together if you can't talk about money. I cannot express that enough. It's just so key. And if it's a taboo subject or it feels awkward, then maybe you're not at the point where you should be moving in together. I just looked up what percent of divorce is money related and data released by a financial firm that I can't pronounce found that 41% of divorced Gen Xers and 29% of boomers say they ended their marriage due to disagreements about money. Isn't that wild? That's wild. it's wild. And what what's more wild is I see all of the, this like research and all of these polls and, and all this data about when in a relationship couples will start talking about money and mm-hmm. finances. And some of them don't know how much the other makes until they're engaged. And it's like, at what, at what point in a relationship would you tell somebody your salary? And like, 
like mm-hmm. over more than 50% of people say like after a year or like once we're, we live together, it's like, you got to talk about this stuff. If you're in debt, you yeah. have to communicate that. If you have student loans, like no one's going to shame you for any of these things, but you have to be open about it. And same thing mm-hmm. with like spending habits and and all that stuff. Like there, there's just so much <laughs> disaster that can come of not talking about it. Exactly. Exactly. So there's just so many expectations around money too. You know, are both of you going to work? Are one of you going to take off if you have a kid? Um, that's the wildest stories that I hear of people getting married and like, I got divorced because my wife decided she didn't want to work or like decided like the moment they got married, they're like, all right, I'm done working. How do you not talk about this before? It just blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah, I could never, I feel like money is something, I mean, Jake and I talk about like finances and money and and stress around it. Like it's Mm -hmm. half of what we talk about, but we're on the same page and we're on the same team with it. And we also like have similar like habits surrounding our spending. And so like, it's okay. You know, we know we're going to like struggle together and get through it together, but Mm -hmm. you got to talk about it. Exactly. Um, All right. One more listener question and then we will wrap this up, even though I feel like, again, I want to go on forever. (laughs) Um, how do you start to rebuild confidence from rock bottom? And when you think you know where I mean as rock bottom, go a bit lower. Oh, oh, this one's so hard. You know, understanding what, what you feel like tore your confidence down is a big one because, you know, you can make more sense. You can start to depersonalize it. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's related to dating. So, you know, if someone treated you badly, you can start to understand, all right, they, you know, had not to make excuses for them to just to like understand why they treated you that way. They had trauma that they went through or they were just narcissistic or they had their own issues. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily just about me. But then that aside, moving forward, um, start doing things that you love doing, start making goals for yourself. I think that's something that's just vastly underrated is making tiny goals for yourself. Even if it's something as simple as I'm going to start a garden, you know, start an indoor garden, something really small. And then when you do it, be proud of yourself, like, like celebrate in some way, get yourself to like your favorite slice of cake or something, you know, start to like build that pride in yourself. And hopefully, you know, that can, that can add to it. Another thing I have a lot of people do is make a list of at least like 10 or 15 things that has nothing to do with your outward accomplishments. Like I'm your job or I've got a degree, you know, make a list of things that you love about yourself. That's a quality. Like I'm creative because I love painting and I'm really good at it. Make a list of at least 10 or 15 things. I call it a pride list and look at that list often and really put some effort into it and like specifics um, to really understand that your worth, your sense of worth, because we're all worthy, right? We're all, we're all worthy. Your sense of worth doesn't come from how other people treat you. It doesn't come from your accomplishments or your degree. It comes from who you are as a person. And sometimes it's hard to remember that when we look on social media and see really beautiful people who are, have six side hustles and are making 10K a month easily, uh, things like that, or in a perfect relationship. Like, it's really hard to remember that we are people outside of all of that. So uh, making that list is just a very deep exercise to do for a lot of people. And it's hard, but it's just something that I think is very valuable to kind of building up that confidence again. I love that. And I love that idea of, you know, like that indoor garden or making goals and they don't have mm-hmm. to be major goals. They just, 
you know, one day at a time. And unfortunately, there's no magic pill. Mm -hmm. There isn't. But you got to start somewhere and you'll have good days and you'll have bad days. But you you were okay before. You had confidence before whatever happened to you happened. And it is possible to get back there. And guess what? You're also going to become stronger because you went through all of this. So you might even end up in a better place than you were when you started. Yeah, I like that. That's good advice. All right. Before I let you go, what is the best piece of dating advice you've ever received? Ooh, um, ooh, let's see. Or given or relationship advice. No rules here or anywhere. No rules here. Well, the best piece of dating advice I've gotten is from the book Deeper Dating, which was just the the idea of dating more authentically and instead of trying to hide these parts of yourselves that or this parts of myself that I didn't like about myself, I should actually lean into them and really understand them more or even express them more. Like I always felt I was needy or I was emotional. So instead of looking at that as like this negative thing, I could see it as a really beautiful thing and I could find someone who really appreciates that about me. Um, so that's definitely a big piece of dating advice and then relationship advice because this was what I thought of first and then I thought of that relationship advice that I think everyone should know uh, even if your relationship is super new is that love isn't just a feeling it's a or it's a choice it's an action like you're not just going to magically be in love with your partner all the time it's something you have to work at it's a skill that you can get better at so know that you don't fall into love and then it's just there you keep falling into love if you want to you Uh, get better at it. You deepen your connection. You put in the effort. And yeah, that's the biggest one is that it's not just a feeling. I love that so much. And Mm -hmm. I could not agree with all of that more. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. Where can everybody find you on social? Where can people find the book? Anything else you want to shout out? Yeah. So people can find me on TikTok and Instagram under Kirstie Taylor, K-I-R-S-T-I-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R-R, two R's at the end. Um, and then my book, What I Wish to Know About Love, is on Amazon. It's on I, the, my publisher's Thought Catalog, so it's on their website, Shop Catalog. Oh, I don't know where else it is. That's like really bad of me not to know that it's not just on Amazon and the publisher's platform. You um, Google it, you will find it. <laughs> there you go. You Google it, you'll find it. That is true. Um, and those are the, those are the main places you can find me. I'm always hanging out on Instagram and TikTok. Those are those are my places. Amazing. Not only are you always hanging out there, you are always crushing it. You guys have to go follow her. I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes and that's all we have. Thank you so, so much again. And to everyone who tuned in, don't forget to send this episode to a friend who would benefit from hearing it. Send it to the group chat, your coworkers, your dog walker, anyone. I think there's something for everyone in here and don't forget to tune in next time. We'll talk to you soon.